Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. We are so excited uh, to present a new Bible study to you. And we've done Hebrews and Ephesians and James, and Don Wallabaugh and I just finished 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Really excited about this study just because of some of the things that were unpacked in this study that happened just in the moment. Uh, both Don and I came to the table with a lot of study and a lot of hours under our belt, uh, a lot of you know, books read and just diving into prayer. And things. when it comes to these studies, we don't take them lightly. But sitting down and talking with Don about this one in particular was a treat. Don's entire world is wrapped up in, in the idea of the love of God. And he speaks about it and lives it in such a tangible way. It's impossible to refute that it's genuine, it's real, it's sincere. As a matter of fact, his ministry is called Becoming Love. And so uh, this is, this is a, his wheelhouse in a, in a huge way. You know, I thought I knew a lot about the love of God. And then I sit down and I talk to Don and it just unfolds for me. So I'm going to play you a portion of one of the studies that will be available at the website, BillVanderbush.com. Uh, and at Don's website as well. And we're going to do it the same way we've done the others. Name your own price and encourage you to sign up for this study. You can go through it at your own pace, your own time. And uh, and I think this will be a life-altering study for you. In this one, we dive in to 3rd John. All right, so here we go. My dad had this, um, he closes... Third John, the same way he closed. Same way he closed the second. Yeah, exact, exact <laughs> yeah. same way. Yeah. Uh, my dad had this this old war horse of a minister who was teaching dad how to pray. Okay. My dad says this guy comes to him and says every man of God prays at least three hours a day. Yeah. And he prayed five. Yeah. You know, got up you know three in the morning. Yeah. He's praying five hours a day. But every man of God prays at least you know three hours a day. So dad got up to pray three hours mm -hmm. and dad said he prayed an hour and then he looked at the clock and 10 minutes had gone by. Yeah. Right. Right. And he began to realize, Oh no. You know, and it really messed him up when he realized he couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, he, he, yeah. But again, that, that prayer was works mentality, works mentality, do more to get more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If we can just increase the yeah. volume. And from that dad got this revelation that, God is not interested. He is not impressed by your noise, your need, or your kneeling. Yeah. And that's what he would preach within those environments. So yeah. God's not impressed by your noise. He's not impressed by your need. And he's not impressed by your kneeling. And, and yeah. he would unpack all of those things. And it all came down to it. He says God's only impressed with faith. Yeah. Faith in him. And, and that faith comes from him. So The Syrophoenician. <laughs> that's what he's preaching right there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful. That is cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we're in the third letter of John, and uh, we're kind of winding this down. And this is, uh, again, a letter from the elder, but we're going to go with that it's John, okay. the apostle. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah. So you want to run with this one? Yeah. So he starts out with the, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. We could do an entire series on that verse that right verse. there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To the degree that you have prosperity of soul, mind, will, and emotions, mm -hmm. to the degree that your soul prospers, may you be in health. There's a there's something about this idea of healing that's attached to the prosperity of soul. Yeah. 
As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It is possible to have healing attached to the renewing of the mind. There's so much about it. It's pretty cool. Let's talk a minute just about the idea that he's writing to, and it appears an individual, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Uh, guys. And, and what we can get from that is is that as he's writing to this person, this is a name that was not an unfamiliar name, so we don't have a definitive of who the person is. Yeah. But one of the things we understand is it's applicable for all of us. So what's applicable for all of us? I pray that you may prosper in all things. But what he's saying is, I want you to prosper in all things. I want you to be in health just as your soul prospers. So prosperity is God's will, but it's not the end. It's the byproduct of a prospering soul, right? As my soul prospers, it's going to touch every other area of my life. As my soul prospers, my health is going to prosper. Why? Because that's what's what's here. And, And he's saying... Make sure that our focus isn't trying to get this or trying to do that or trying to be this, that that we're we're taking care of the inner man, that we're taking care so of here because in that, the byproduct that touches every area of our life. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The prosperity of soul is a big deal. I remember yeah. Bill Johnson did a series of messages on this years ago and I listened to it. It was life altering because yeah. it, it had it had this, uh, you know, anything that, that was attached to to healing and the manifestation of healing in a person's life. It's kind sure. of a big deal. Yeah. And, and he was teaching on that. And I was really kind of fixated in that. Like, you know, uh, like the scripture says, if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. Right. In other words, if I fix my eye in the right direction, it'll have an impact on my physical being. Same thing happens here. Why do we renew the mind? You have the remind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is a good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Why do we allow that? that mind renewal to take place through the word of God because it brings a transformation. And we realize here in third John that that transformation actually sets us up to walk in divine prosperity, but also in divine health. People say, you know, uh, do you you preach a health and wealth gospel? Well, I promise you, I don't preach a sickness and poverty gospel. I'm done with that. Be. Yeah. You know, that wouldn't be the gospel, you know. We so, wouldn't have a very big church for very long. Well, no. I don't know. This ain't you might. I have no idea. I'm just going to leave that alone. Yeah, yeah. But you know what we do is we preach, we preach Jesus. And to fix our eyes on Jesus, to see him, to behold him, to let him change and transform us, to let the Holy Spirit conform us into the image of Christ. Yeah, so it's really wow. a contrast in those two in the two books. If you see it in Second John, he's saying don't partner with this, and in Third John, he's saying here partner with this. I, yeah. I think it's clear. Yeah, you know, I've I found though, especially in Western Christianity in the United States of America, it's really easy to find partners if you preach a fear based message. That's mm-hmm. not the gospel. Yeah, I, I don't fully understand that, but there's a lot of wealthy fear based ministries out there that have a lot of partners who feel like that's that's the message that the world needs to hear. Yeah. And uh and yet if you want persecution, you want judgment, preach the finished work of the cross, preach the fullness of the new covenant, preach that what Jesus did uh, accomplished the work. My goodness. You start breaking fear off people, people grab a hold of that like you pulled their security blanket away from them. Yeah. It's a strange thing, and uh, and you hear it often when you hear people discounting or downing on the love or the grace of God and speaking of the love of God in derogatory terms. 
if we have established anything in this study, it's that the very nature of God is love. And when you hear Christians speaking negatively of the, the love of God or the entire concept of love itself, you're actually hearing people speaking in a derogatory way about the very nature and character of who God is. To cause somebody to feel negatively about a message of love or a message of grace is to actually plant a seed in a person's heart, resulting in a distance and separation between them and the very nature and character of God who is love. And so it's a it's a dangerous heresy that is all too common within the West. And it's so strong because here's the deal. This letter's 2,000 years old, but 2,000 years ago, they were still dealing with people that were trying to create that kind of division. Yeah. And that's where the next section of this letter actually takes us. Yeah. Go mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Take us there. He said, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who... Who loves to have the preeminence preeminence among them does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words. Think about that for a minute. (laughs) Who's who's got the audacity to speak against John, the beloved disciple? John. (laughs) But what could John possibly be saying that people would be upset about? Oh, wait. He's talking about that God is love. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and, and, and the disciple who Jesus loved over and over and over. So again, it comes to that point. This is not a new thing. And we're, and we're watch this because he's going to actually lay the hammer down here a little bit. Watch this. He's prating against us with malicious words and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish Put, who wish to, putting them out of the church, excommunicating yeah. them. So this is a guy, yeah. this, this, and this is what religion does. It's religion, a control freak. That's yeah. what he is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Religion yeah. excommunicates, right? Yeah. And that's so, so you're not talking about a person who's trying to defend the gospel. You're, trying, you're talking about a person who's defending religion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, religion is, is an excommunicating force that looks for a reason to cut people off. I remember when Paul was dealing with the person involved in sin... In Corinthians, and he says, hand such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of judgment. Paul had restoration and salvation in mind the whole time, right? right? And so later on, he says, restore such a one so that he's not destroyed. This is the self-destruction comes upon a person because of much sorrow. It's like, hey, when a person repents, let them. And so uh, in this case, though, what you see is not just a guy who just doesn't like John. Not just the guy who doesn't like the the, uh, the apostles, but he's literally speaking out. He's he's accusing, so he's bringing accusation, accuser of the brethren, and uh, and what could he possibly be accusing with wicked words? So he's he's actually speaking words uh, that are that John just goes out in here and says this guy is saying wicked. Things, but he apparently has the authority to put people out of the church. That means that this guy, who is a leader, has gained enough authority and clout within the body that people are respecting his decision when he says, Cut that person off. That uh, is far too prevalent within the body of Christ today. 
because when a person does not have reconciliation at their heart and it all becomes about cutting people off, then now we have a problem. We have a huge problem. So here's a guy who's an authority. Uh, doesn't receive the brethren. Forbids those who desire to do so. Puts them out of the church. Right. And so what about the followers of these people? Now we have verse 11. Right. Beloved, do not imitate what's evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink, but hope to see you shortly and will speak to you face to face. Peace be to you. Friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. So let's back up here to verse 11. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. One who does good is of God. One who does evil has not seen God. The confusion shouldn't even be there. I mean, we should be able to see this super, super easy. But this guy, Diotrephes, has somehow has made himself a leader and an authority figure is speaking words that somehow the church has gravitated towards. They're excommunicating people. They're pairing the group down to just a handful. And now uh, John comes in and goes, the words are evil and uh, don't imitate that. Um, one who does evil is not from God. One who does evil hasn't seen God. So the hammer that he's dropping here is saying, Diotrephes here, he hasn't seen God. He hasn't had a revelation, had an encounter with Jesus. Right. He's operating uh, by a wicked, evil motive. It sounds like he has a religious spirit, you know. And and I love what John does with this is then, because he says, "Listen, don't do that." Yeah. Right. Then he brings in another guy named Demetrius. Yeah. And he actually says, "Now Demetrius has a good testimony." Mm -hmm. So maybe you that were trying to follow Diotrephes, you probably <laughs> need to connect with Demetrius because he's going to show you a better way. Yeah. And I, I think that's really huge. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm not trying to be critical. There's a lot of stuff out there that sometimes I hear and my ears perk up, and I'm like, "Oh Lord, help us," because. There is a lot of religious spirits out there. There's still yeah. people that are trying to do more to get more, and you know, to, and it's it is sad. Listen, I I 100% believe in the disciplines of the Christian faith. Absolutely, I, I believe in prayer. I believe in Bible study. I couldn't sit here and be a student like I am today if if I didn't believe in all that. And I've I've devoted my life to all that. So yeah. I'm not taking away from that. But if you're in a place where they're actually telling you you have to do more to get more. I want to know, what are you going to get that you didn't already get when you got God? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, so here's the reality of that. It's, it's in you. I do believe there's a place of development. I believe there's a place of growth. I, I yes. understand all that. I believe in the disciplines. I believe in morning prayer. I believe in afternoon prayer. I believe in evening prayer. I believe in pray without ceasing because that's really having a lifestyle devoted to communion with God and exactly. just walking in that place of fellowship and union with him and understanding that union. And out of that place, man, it has brought me to a place where I'm actually enjoying. I, I do not endure my walk with God. I enjoy my enjoy walk it. with God. Come on. If you're still enduring, you're probably missing something somewhere you know what i mean and that's yeah. just probably a good word for somebody but what he's done now is he's taken us to this place where he's saying hey uh, 
here's a guy who's not doing it right. And I want you to understand that if somebody's not doing it right and you find somebody who is doing it right, probably a good place to just start to attach yourself to the guy that's doing it right and learn and and maybe still pray for the other people. But the truth of the matter is that you're going to have to, when it comes down to the end of the way, please hear this. You are responsible for your walk with God. Yeah, yeah. And 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 if if you've had a pastor, a teacher, or a leader who has maybe led you astray, and you're now standing before the Lord, you can't point and say, "Well, it was their fault." You know, right, the truth right. of the matter is, I'm responsible for my walk with God. You're responsible for your walk with God. I I have I have somewhat of a responsibility for Lori because she's my wife, my spouse. So as the priest in my home, I have somewhat. But the truth is, Lori's responsible for her walk with God. And my kids who are grown adult children now, Nicole and Josh, they're responsible for their walk with God. Do I still have a voice in their life? Do I still have a place of prayer? Absolutely. Everything that I understand about the gospel says the blessing that's on me is going to fall upon them. I do believe in generational blessing, but at the same point, I have a response. But they have their own responsibility to walk with God, as do my grandchildren. So in that place with every one of us having a personal responsibility with God, we ought to be able to look and say, what do I need to do? to grow in my relationship with Jesus. You know what I mean? I don't want you to ever get in works-based. Don't hear that wrong, right? But there is a place of, man, if there's more out there, I want that. I'll never pers- I'll never possess what I don't pursue. Mm-hmm. And I won't pursue what I don't know is possible. Mm-hmm. But I've met people along the way, Bill, that I've watched and I thought, wow, your relationship... When I'm with you, I want to know Jesus more. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's people out there. Uh, again... Um, and and I know I've, I've used Pastor Dan in the, in, in the past just as somebody that's really impacted my life. But when I first met Dan Moeller and, and Dan came on staff with me and he's preaching, this was even before he was on staff with me, he, w- he was preaching and he's preaching about being unoffendable and how nobody had the, the ability to offend him. And he says, there's nobody in this congregation that has the ability to defend me. And I'm looking at them saying, yeah, Jack, because you ain't their pastor. You have no idea. I can name five or six right now. I'm, trust me, they are offensive. <laughs> you know I mean? and, and I'm thinking that, and the Holy Spirit thumps my heart and says, wow, isn't it amazing that you're offended that he's preaching on being unoffendable? <laughs> and it was probably one of the best revelations ever because what I thought is, if that's possible, I want it. What yeah. happened? He did something yeah. that actually said, hey, there's more. And he's preaching scripture after scripture, verse after verse, Philippians 1, uh, Psalms 165, great peace of they that love thy law, nothing will offend them. And, and, and um, it's all word-based. And I thought, wow, if that's possible, what did he do? He raised the, he, he raised the bar for me and yeah. said, listen, there's more, there's more. And when yeah. people can come along and raise the bar, those are the people we probably want to attach ourselves to. It yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah, that's why David said, magnify the Lord with me. Yeah, so, yeah. Actually, Mary, even in the Magna Carta, says what? My soul doth magnify the Lord, yeah. and my spirit finds its joy in God my Savior. And I'm thinking magnify means to make large. Well, yeah. how do you make God larger? You can't make God larger in truth. You can only make God larger in your mind. Right. My soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions have just seen an expansion of who God really yes. is. That's powerful. That's so yeah, good. It is. It's, it's really, really a powerful thing. And in that place, and, and we'll, we'll kind of bring the things together here in a minute, but what I'm seeing is when I find those kind of people, if I'm understanding what John is saying in Third John, 
right? He said, when you see somebody who's diminishing the work of the gospel, right? Second John, those people, right? And Demetrius here, mm-hmm. right? Or, I'm sorry, not Demetrius, but Diotrephus. What he's saying is those people, we probably want to kind of uh, maybe not attach ourselves to. But the people who are actually causing God to be larger in our sight, larger in our mind, that are actually helping us to understand grace or understanding the good news of the good news, those are the people that we'll attach ourselves to. And then he even says this. He said, these are the people that we want to partner with in whatever way we can partner. So those are huge things that, I don't know, seems like the reality of the gospel to me. I love that. Man, that's so good. I look at uh, verse 11 and 12 here in 3 John, and uh, he speaks of... Uh, Demetrius' testimony t- speaks about the testimony a few times. Mm-hmm. Remember from First John that, that the testimony was defined as believing in Jesus. Yeah, you know it's not the things that we do. Um, it's not even what Christ saved us out of. It's just the, simply the testimony of that. In whatever state you are, you believe in Jesus, and so it, it really all boils down to to this idea of believing in Jesus. It really is all about Jesus. There's a, there's a Christological center to the gospel. Uh, you know, you talk about magnifying the Lord. You were just saying, so I'm just thinking, a thought that I've actually this has never really occurred to me. You know, the idea that, you know, prior to Jesus coming, man had a massive perspective of God. You know, it's inflated, huge, but undefined. Yeah. Right? And then Jesus comes to, and we would say, to maybe boil all of the thoughts that we had about God down into a body. But actually, Jesus isn't coming to boil them all down. He is coming to boil away every false thought we have about God and then through him reveal that God is bigger, stronger, faster, and better than we ever thought. And so he is not reducing our perspective of God down to a man in flesh walking among us. He is clarifying our perspective of God and then exploding it with a revelation of glory uh, that can be, that, for, for lack of a better term, handled, touched. It's not a glory separate from us. It's a glory that we have within us. Yeah. Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church. John 17, Jesus says, the Father, yeah. the glory you've given me, I give to them. Come on. So prior to Jesus... We had an idea, a notion about the glory of God, but it was all just in a concept that we saw things happen at a distance. And it wasn't that we didn't know the miracles were possible, the Red Sea parts, the fire on Mount Sinai, the, the prophets of Baal having the confrontation with Elijah. All of those things demonstrated the reality of the glory of God, but it was for special people and it was untouchable. And then Jesus comes to reveal that we've only known the glory in concept but the glory that's with you, spirit that's with you will be within you, and he's bringing his glory with him. So now the glory that's upon the glorious one, the one who is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, now lives within us to put our faith in the reality that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect substitute to take our place, brings us into the place of re, uh, the reward of his inheritance mm-hmm. becomes the reality of our identity now. And so, uh, yeah, the testimony is just to believe in Jesus. And apparently there's a guy who's leading the church who doesn't believe in Jesus. Come on. <laughs> it, it, but he's definitely enforcing religion. Ultimately, what it comes down to, and, and again, the, the 
the process here, what we're looking at, if we can take Second John and Third John, bring them together, even mm-hmm. in the even in these two verses, uh, this this section, I guess, from nine to twelve, we can kind of see that same thing. You have a contrast. There is a contrast yeah, is. here, yeah. And in that contrast, what he's actually saying, and I'm just gonna, boy, I'm gonna put this in my own words in the best way that I can, but. I'll bring it back to how does this impact my Tuesday? How does this impact my life? How does this impact our class that we're having right now? If you have a thought or a belief about God that doesn't look like Jesus, I'd ask you, why do you still have that belief? Mm -hmm. Jesus came to put the Father on display. If you have a belief system in your life that you can't chapter and verse with a new covenant understanding, Mm. I would ask you, why do you have that belief system still? And those are challenging questions that we've really got to come to terms with because the truth of the matter is the God, the God I serve looks like Jesus. He put him on display. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, you know, one, one thing I just feel like I just want to point out is, and this is kind of tragic you know, to me, that in verse 9, John says, I wrote something to the church. The Diotrephes who, who loves to be first uh, among them, does not accept what we say. So, you think about this. And what he's what he's apparently indicating was that he wrote something. Diotrephes got got a hold of this. Maybe read it, didn't like it. Maybe withheld it from the church. Yeah. Somehow, um, or tore it apart. Mm-hmm. Criticized it. Refuted it. Refuted yeah. it. Yeah. And if you've you know you've read First John. I mean, let's just pretend that that letter was the letter of 1 John. Stop and think about somebody who would grab a hold of 1 John and say, you know what, I'm not reading this to the church. I I don't believe what's in here. Um, Because whatever he would have written would have not contradicted 1 John. It's just the very nature of, of who he is. He would have written something that probably would have sounded a whole lot like that. But it gets it gets me to thinking, it's like, what possibly in here could somebody who leads a church read this letter and go no this is error and i'm not going to present this to the church and um and that that's just i don't know it's just an astonishing thing to me to think that somebody could read first john and and reject it Mm -hmm. as heresy yet we have similar situations watch god is light and in him is no darkness at all Okay. Right. right. Well, I'm not going to read that to the church because I asked God to heal my mom and she died. Yeah. So obviously there's a dark side to God. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, sometimes he gives sickness to people and yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And over and over what we'll find is people will actually place their experience above scripture. Right. And then we create experiential theology and the church is full of that. Yeah. And we have to come back to a word-based theology that says it's Jesus plus nothing. Yeah. yeah, equals everything. Come on, or mm-hmm. or you know perhaps um, uh, you mentioned the thing about healing, which I think is really 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 common. Mm-hmm. But what about you know if if he looks at First John and goes, beloved, let's love one another. Love is of God. Everyone loves is born of God and know knows God. Well, there's some people that I want to kick out of this church. Yeah, there's some people that I I, I really need need to go. They're troublemakers. Yeah. in my perspective, and, and they're not they're not supporting my views. They're questioning my authority. They're questioning my authority. How dare you? I need them to go, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so I can't. Yeah. We can't have this thing about love because yeah. love covers a multitude of sins. I can't deal with that. So yeah. 
I have to have the authority to be able to remove these people. We can't have that message going out. Yeah. You know, so you, you think about, you kind of go back through, if you really want to, I, I think, identify a religious spirit, go back through 1 John and ask yourself, what would motivate a person to reject anything that John had written in 1 John here? And uh, uh, yeah, wow. That will definitely expose that religious spirit, yeah. blinking lights, neon lights all around it. Yeah. And it still exists in the body of Christ today. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we've come down to the end of this study, and, and uh, we just have loved doing this and just sitting down and just going through the scriptures together um, for the past hours as we've just dived into the Word of God. It's been rich, I know, for me and for Don. And, yeah. and trust it's been rich for you as well. And that you'll walk away from this with a greater revelation of the heart of the Father, greater revelation of the love of the Son, greater revelation of the, the incarnation and that Jesus is just a bigger deal than maybe we've ever thought. And um, I don't know, what's what's a takeaway that you want people to have from this study, Don? I want you to live like you're really loved. That's it. If, if there's just a phrase to grab a hold of, live loved. Mm. I am loved. I'm so loved by God. Man, that changes everything. That lens really, really, really matters. Well, what you heard today was just a few minutes of an eight and a half hour study on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. When that study is available, I'll let you know right here on this podcast and you can download it at BillVanderbush.com. Name your own price just like the others. If you haven't downloaded the others yet, go ahead and do that. That'll kind of get you started on where we're going in this new covenant, Christic covenant study. To support this broadcast, you can write to Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. You can also go to VanderbushMinistries.com or BillVanderbush.com and click on the Give button. And that's probably the quickest way where you can support us, financially at least. But we encourage you, pray for us as we're out here preaching the gospel every week around the nation. This is Bill Vanderbush from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.